0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Teach Me Something, the podcast where I learn something just that I want to learn, and then I hope you want to learn it, too.
1: Well, you're forced to, basically, but that's okay.
0: I think you could turn it off.
1: Oh, I guess that's no, possible. No, I don't no, No, definitely not allowed. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> My name is Melissa,
1: and I'm Everett.
0: And the third voice you heard is our once again European history uh, aficionado. Let's say, Warren.
1: Say that. Hello.
0: Could we say that?
2: You could say that. I like to say that. Thank I'm you sure for we having say me. Lots of things.
0: It's a good word.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Again, I don't know why I introduced, you know the topic so much because you've probably read the title before you listen to the episode. People don't normally click on a title without reading it, but you know, this is about the Crusades and you might be wondering which Crusades and I'm going to say all of them, which is why it's so long. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: But it's also why I'm not going to get too bogged down with the details because then it would be even longer. Of course. So sorry if you were really hoping to learn which medieval knight ruled which you know,
2: principalities
0: and which guy led which mission. Anyways, we're not doing that. I'll throw in some names of some poets. I, I was
2: kind of hoping. To some do that. kings.
0: Mm. Uh, great. Right. You mean you're not
2: doing a one crusade per, per episode?
0: Oh, Lord. No. I'm going to try to squeeze like all eight to however many there actually were. It's disputed, but squeeze them all in. Seven, eight.
2: Nine. Are you doing the one with the kids? Are uh, you doing the children's crusade.
0: The one that's doubtful if it even happened? Yes, that one. Yeah, I mean, I touch on it. But yes. like I said, details are not uh, a plenty here.
1: Well, fair enough. How okay. about you teach me something?
0: Okay. Okay. So if you just don't even know what crusades are, let's start there. Okay. <laughs> it was a like bunch of military conflicts conducted by Christians between 11th... I mean, right at the end of the 11th century... And into the 13th centuries, um, I found other things saying they went later than that. But like I said, the number of crusades is quite hard to pin down, hard to define what's an official crusade. So we're just going to go with between the 11th and 13th centuries. Um, so generally, there are campaigns to the Holy Land, sponsored by the Pope, the Papacy, against the Muslims. But that's just generally, because there were other crusades like to Spain... Those were still against the Muslims, though. Uh, some to southern Italy, Sicily, some to, you know, eastern Europe to get the pagans. And, you know, there was some that, oh, that were was just... that was the
1: Baltic Crusade, right?
0: Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. And then some were just, you know, fought between, between Christians.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> you
0: know, groups that were heretics or schismat- schismatic. Uh, that word is not as easy to say as I hoped.
1: As in there's like a blueprint for them? what what
0: i don't get it schematics oh no i, oh. Know. I did not no <laughs>
1: uh,
0: i was trying to say schism but oh. clearly i said it was schismatic i know I said it terribly
1: blueprint of how there's a divide
0: yeah it was terrible yeah yeah um so crusades were fought for many reasons even though they mostly said it was you know to defend christians and christian lands um Obviously, that's not how any war ever actually goes. The stated mm-hmm. objectives are not usually the only objectives. Or, uh, the even, or even the main objectives. I, I would say money is always one of them, oh, isn't okay. it?
2: Yeah. Land, yeah.
0: Land, money, Prestige. all those things. Forgiveness of sins.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough.
0: Um, so, yeah, we'll start at the beginning, uh, of course, like I like to do. Like most people like to do. It's true. Uh, let's talk about kind of the state of the...
2: What's that director who never starts at the start of things? The director? Yeah, well, there's like there's, a movie there's... director that is famous for oh, never
1: starting at the beginning uh, of things. Tarantino,
2: oftentimes? Yeah, yeah. So we're not going to pull a Tarantino, is what you're saying? No. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I'm
0: not a good enough writer for that. I things enough, to be like laid out no in story. No mentions of feet <laughs> in the
1: podcast? Right.
0: You say feet? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I don't think so, no.
1: Okay. Definitely no. not Tarantino that. <laughs> well, it's certainly we did octopuses, cause they're pod. Yeah, we did that last time. Well, but pod means feet, so that's all. That's about the closest we've gotten. Okay.
0: Um, so I say the state of the world, but I'm, I'm not talking about the whole world. I'm not really right. going to talk about, you know, much besides Europe and the Middle East and sure. a little bit of Asia, but the state of the world. Uh, Europe, this is so this is the 11th century right now. And Western Europe is starting to emerge, uh, as a powerful part of the world, which they were not before. And, um, they were kind of still lagging behind, like, the Mediterranean civilizations, though, like the Byzantines and the Islamic empires in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, so, one of the reasons they were starting to be more powerful is that, so they were very f- much all feudal territories before this and so their power and resources weren't super centralized
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um so like feudal like you know when there's serfs that have to pay a lord to work the land and all that stuff um so they're kind of moving from these loose feudal systems to having like more centralized resources and wealth and monarchies and stuff that you know you can call on greater uh wealth when you need to like raise an army or something like that so that helps when you want to wage war and uh population growth is another thing that we'll we'll talk about uh, throughout the podcast because um well we'll talk about this later but you know there have been some real big uh population decimation events by certain rating parties and certain you know diseases and certain things and and then the population started to grow uh, and that kind of, at the end of the 10th century, all the way to the 13th century, we're just going to get a lot of population growth in Western Europe. Yeah. Uh, there's also economic revival. Like, they're clearing the forest lands. They're expanding their territories, having markets. Uh, more, you know, markets. civilized things. Italian shipping was starting to kind of challenge the Muslim dominance in the shipping, like, Mediterranean area. Yeah. Um, So something else that was significant for the Crusades was the... Uh, with Catholicism was changing. So there is this overhaul of the ecclesiastical structure. So the Pope is kind of starting to assert their rights, his rights, why am I even saying their, his right to like (laughs) order people around and do things independently from, you know, Kings and secular rulers. Um, Like it's now becoming acceptable for the Pope to, you know, command knights around and say, we're going to wage a war. Which is not something they had done before, um, so the Crusades are going to set the stage for religious knightly orders, military orders that you've probably heard of, like the Knights Templar and the Teutonic Knights. Yeah. One I haven't heard of called the Hospitallers.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh
2: no, you've no, heard no of heard that? that I haven't. Yeah. But yeah. They ended up in um, in Malta.
1: Are those yeah. the, the hospitalites or the how do you pronounce that?
0: I don't know. It looks like i sure to say.
1: <laughs> Hospitallers? Okay. hospitalers.
0: Anyways.
2: Whatever. They, they, they come end up, up
0: in, Malta. in they come up, Knights of St. John. They come up in yeah. Jerusalem around the same time as the uh Knights and well, I mean all these ones I just mentioned, kinda of around the same time. Yeah. Um so Sorry. another
1: You remember
2: you remember that little nation that's in EU four that starts south of the Ottomans? The Knights? Yeah. That's them. Okay.
0: Cool. Okay. For all of you that play EU four, they're the knights.
2: They are the knights. They're, they're aren't they in Cyprus? No, they're okay. next to Cyprus. Okay, fair
1: enough. In Rhodes. Yes, I'm familiar with you're talking about.
0: Uh, another thing to note about Christendom, Christianity at this point, is there's not just the one group of Christians. No. And this has always confused me, because I've never been super clear on the boundaries or when these divisions happen. but... Um, so now I know. Uh, there's lots of reasons that groups of Christians didn't see eye to eye. I was wondering how the split happened, and some commonly cited reasons are the Gothic Wars of Byzantine Emperor Justinian, which that was like the 500s. So I don't know why that's commonly cited as a reason that they don't like each other. But uh, another one was Byzantine's, uh, the attempts to impose iconoclasm in the West. So that's a Mm -hmm. belief that like, you know, images and icons and monuments should be destroyed. You know, like in the Bible, how it says not to worship idols or... Yeah. Anyways, uh, the Western Christians weren't a fan, I guess. I don't know. I didn't. Have and the Eastern
1: Christians th-
2: weren't for a lot of the time, except for like the 200 years when they had an iconoclastic emperor. Well, there you go. And that's why very little Byzantine art survives today. And most of it is actually in R- Ravenna, which is a part of Italy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, was that was under control of the the Byzantines, but was actually in Italy. So like they were like, oh, we're not iconoclastic bro yeah cool. we're not
1: gonna destroy this stuff yeah okay. okay
0: yeah i didn't end up doing a lot of research into how the byzantines split from western europe because it just again that's no time yeah. Yeah. yeah um so there's a lot of tension let's say and around 1054 ce they officially splinter into separate sects. officially it's not that they were not separate ish before
1: yeah
0: but the kind of Again, schism became complete. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church in the West and the Eastern Orthodox Church in the East. So that's the Byzantine Empire. Um, so historians argue that uh, maybe Pope Urban II, who is the one who launched the Crusades initially, maybe that one of the reasons he did it was to try to impose the Roman Church onto the East. Um, but there is no actual evidence of that in any of Urban's letters that he wrote about the Crusades. So I guess we'll never really know. But there's no evidence, so let's not assume that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I agree. It was a long time ago, though. I feel like
2: that would be weird since, like, correct me if I'm wrong, and we're probably going to be getting to this, but wasn't the first Crusade launched because the Byzantines were like, hey, can you help us against the Turks?
0: Yeah, exactly. They asked for help.
2: Yeah, so that would be weird if that was... I mean, it wouldn't be weird, but... No, it could have been been like, oh, oh, I see, this as an
0: opportunity. But... Yeah, we don't know. Uh, again, when things happen a thousand years ago, scant written evidence will survive. So
2: mm-hmm. true.
0: Um, okay, the next thing I want to talk about, setting setting the stage here, is uh, the concept of religious pilgrimage. I think today, I don't want to speak for everyone. I associate this largely with Islam. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: it is one of the big pillars of the Islamic faith.
0: Correct, but it used to be of Christianity as well. True. Um, so. pilgrimage to any holy shrine there was tons in Europe but of course you know it won't surprise you that the big places to go are you know Jerusalem the holy land in Jerusalem
1: yeah
0: um and it's you know an act of devotion in this these times it's starting to be like a penance like a priest in confession if you did something real bad might be like okay part of your penance is not just say 10 Hail Marys but like Go make a pilgrimage. Go to, to
2: Jerusalem. Not okay. just
0: Jerusalem. There's lots of shrines in Europe, but yes, okay. go make a pilgrimage to X, Y, or Z and shrine, and and you know, um, then you'll be forgiven. Uh, so the Holy Land had been part of the Roman Empire and so the Byzantine Empire until the Islamic conquests. So that seventh and eighth centuries CE, um, and they kind of. They grew really quickly, so they kind of took over the Northwest Indian subcontinent, Central Asia, the Middle East, North Africa, Southern Italy, the Iberian yeah. Peninsula, like all the way up to the Pyrenees. They were they were all over. Um, but there were a lot of times when even through those areas they took over, they would let Christians um, make their pilgrimage. There was no no issues. There were some caliphs. That would take control and and change those relationships and cause cause issues. Like one caliph destroyed the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is the church in Jerusalem said to contain the tomb of Jesus Christ. Okay. In those times, at least that's what they said. Um, so that you can see how that would have been a big uh, uh sticking point move. between the two. Sure. Um, yeah. But then his successor allowed the Byzantine Empire to rebuild the church. So, um. So you know, like I'm, I'm trying to say, that pilgrimages by Catholics continued usually throughout these times. Um, even interfaith marriages weren't uncommon in these areas between Catholics and um, Muslims.
1: Sure. Uh,
0: there was certain protections that the Islamic empires gave to pilgrims. Anyway, so uh, things were okay, and then came the Seljuk Turks.
1: Hey, there um,
2: we go. <laughs> so the Turks. The mm-hmm. Se-
0: well, the Seljuk Turks. There are lots the, the, of Turks. The,
2: the first of the Turks that are <laughs> gonna be what a problem in Anatolia. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um so the Seljuk Turks were originally an Asian horde. So like like the Huns before them, they, you know, made a lot of land gains into the West. Uh this dynasty was founded by a Turkic warlord named Seljuk. Seljuk. Shockingly. They controlled much of what's called the Near East by the eleventh century. Um they had Persia, which is, you know, the capital of the Muslim world yeah. in Baghdad there. And then that's when they kind of converted to Islam en masse, after they kind of took over that area. Um, some historians I found called them the Muslim Huns.
1: Okay. I still uh, need to sure. do an episode on okay.
0: the Huns. I'm confused. Well, like, an Asian horde is if that's, like, a thing. Like, any mm-hmm. group that comes out of Asia, in a mass number, is just an Asian horde? Or is there a specific definition well, I mean, they, for that? No. they
2: did it a few times. You know, yeah, the Mongols. It Mongols was, were a good Asian know, horde.
0: but <laughs> why are they hordes? Nowhere else is a horde. I don't know. Because, like,
2: they rode horses. Yeah. I think, is that I what think that comes these, from? Well, I I don't know. But I think the implication is, like, horse, cavalry,
1: Okay. Like nomadic, huns, Noma- nomadic society. Nomadic society, okay. the type of gov- governance that yeah. they had because they were a nomadic society, and then, yeah, the, the reliance on horses allowed them to actually travel great distances and actually control a great distance. Okay, that's well, good Plus to horse know.
2: archers kick ass. Yeah, that's um, true. No one knew what to do against <laughs> horse archers. Horse archers.
0: Yeah, so I don't want to gloss over like they did nothing. They were, you know, apparently pretty instrumental to creation of certain... Arts and music and like c- cool things. They did some cool things, but as far as we're concerned, all we have time for is we're going to talk about the Battle of Manzikert in yeah. 1071 because that is, you know, uh, the Crusades actually okay. <laughs> kind of kind of are going to lead lead from that. So it was fought in modern day Turkey between the Byzantine Emperor and the Seljuk Empire on August 26. And the Byzantines are defeated, and their empire, their emperor Romanus the Fourth Diogenes was captured.
2: they weren't just defeated; they had their behinds handed to them quite badly. De- defeated
0: was um, the general summary, but yes, pretty de-
2: okay. De- they lost into the ground.
0: Um Yeah, and so this is pretty disastrous for the the Byzantines. Um, civil conflicts, economic crises. Uh, just like their, their, their borders were very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, This
2: was the battle that lost them Anatolia forever.
0: Right. The next sentence says this led to the mass movement of Turks into central Anatolia. (laughs) So by 1080, an area of 78,000 square kilometers, which is 30,000 square miles for the, you know, miles people out there. Um, were kind of taken over by the Seljuks.
2: I mean, if you think about, like, the borders of modern Turkey today, like, in Anatolia and that little bit of Greece where uh, Istanbul is, like, all of that part of Anatolia used to be, like, the heartland of the Byzantine Empire. Yeah. And they had had it for, like, 700, 800 years by this point, as, like, the eastern half of the Roman Empire. Right. And now it's gone. Right. Forever. Wow.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. So, um... An important consequence of that battle is that after 1071, Christian pilgrimage was pretty much stopped by the Seljuk Turks.
1: So that's an issue for the Christians. That's that's the major land path they get down to, like, the east or northeast African and Middle East areas where you're going to need a pilgrimage to. Otherwise, you're going to go, what, all the way through Spain and down through... Tunis to get there, like that's a Can't, big well, deviation. Can't through different Muslims. I was gonna say, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so
0: that doesn't help. They're, those are all areas controlled. Yeah, right. exactly. Anyways, so the Seljuks continued to expand southward. In 1085, they captured Antioch. Um, so mm. that was important because, so the early church had five what are called seas. I don't know. In big important centers. Antioch, uh-huh. Alexandria, uh-huh. Rome, and Jerusalem. Nice. Good job. Those mm. are, those are them. Um, so, if you don't know geography very well, I had to look this up because I don't. Um, what that meant though is by being in Antioch, the Seljuks are now way too close to Constantinople, the mm-hmm. Byzantine capital. Makes sense. Yeah. And that made the Byzantines nervous. I don't remember. I looked at the exact distance and I feel like I remember the miles for some reason, and not kilometers. It was like 125 miles away, those cities. I don't know. Something, something, Antioch? isn't it? I don't know. Antioch I don't know is if I'm in, remembering like, something Syria.
2: else. Today's okay. Syria. Basically, yeah. it's on the coast. Okay. Like just kind of south of where Anatolia.
0: Maybe by sailing. I don't know. I'm trying to remember why I read that number. Maybe it's not. Mm. Is
1: that the seems just... close.
2: I don't know. I don't know. It's Either less way, close than Anatolia, but probably close. close enough for comfort. I would too say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too close for comfort. Um.
0: So the first crusade. Let's talk about the first crusade. So Byzantine emperor. This now emperor, obviously not the other guy who got captured. Alexius I, Komnenus. I don't know how you say any of these names. Komnenus is how it's spelled. Komnenus? I don't know.
2: I don't know any Greek.
0: Anyways, well, this is the Romanized version.
1: Sure. Uh, okay.
0: It's the exact same as the Greek version, except for there's U's on the end instead of O's. <laughs> instead of okay. O-S, it's U-S.
1: <laughs> Fair they enough. spell
0: them both ways in all the sources, but it's, that's the only difference. And I also find it interesting that they, like, their emperors are, like, Alexius the First Communist, not Alexius Communist the First. That's not how they write it for the Byzantine empires. I don't know why. Um, so, he used this conflict with, you know, saying, hey, no one can pilgrimage anymore to appeal to the West for help. So he wrote to Pope Urban II, and he told all these stories about the Turkish atrocities against Christians. Some might have been made up, some might have been exaggerated, who knows, um, some sources say he offered to reunify the churches again, not cooperated. He just was trying to get some help. I don't know. So in July, he's sort
2: of in a desperate place. Exactly. Yeah.
0: He's going to say what he needs to say.
2: Mm-hmm. So in
0: July, 1095 urban Pope urban, um, is in France. He's, he's from France. He goes to France and he's trying to recruit people to help. So the council of Claremont is formed in November and, he gives a bunch of speeches to giant crowds um, of French nobles and clergy. And I guess some peasants were definitely there as well. And graphically details all these stories he's been told in the letters. Um, and he's suggesting war. He's suggesting they go to war and help. And that's uh, different. You know, that shift from the Vatican being not openly about war to all of a sudden a religious institution right. being like, let's do war. Um so
2: It's all the rage lately.
0: So I was you know, found one article saying, well, why did that happen? That's kind of a big shift. Jihad mm. is the same basically as crusade. It yeah, is the sure. same holy war. Like exactly. It means holy war. Yeah. And the Muslim jihad has been very successful.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: And so I think that the Pope this article is insinuating the Pope found it easy to say, well, you know, they do it. And <laughs> yeah,
2: they're doing it. Well, and, well. and
0: look how look how well they're doing.
2: <laughs> Very well. Uh so, you know,
0: let's let's whatever. Knight for Christ. Let's do this. Let's let's do the same thing. And so um Pope Urban, you know, is I'm expecting knights and such to take up take up this this cry for, for war, but it wasn't just nice. Um, it was like popular among the peasants okay. as well. And it doesn't seem like that was especially desired by the church, but it happened.
2: I mean, nobody liked peasants back then.
0: <laughs> back then.
2: Not the Pope. Well, yeah, <laughs> especially not back then. Okay. Fair
0: enough. Um, so I learned that those who were going to go, they agreed that they should wear a cross which is literally why it's called Taking Up the Cross when you go on, like, the oh. Holy War. okay. It makes sense, but I never had learned that before.
1: Um, yeah, mm-hmm. interesting.
0: Okay, so I want to talk first about the less-than-organized bands of peasants and such, uh, commonly known as the People's Crusade.
1: Oh, <laughs> okay. Yes.
0: So the peasant population, as is the case often through history was having some issues with drought and famine and disease and no social programs to speak of (laughs) let's just be clear about that um so it seems that they're like the crusade gave them a way out just like something to do somewhere to go maybe someone would feed them yeah uh and then another thing that was happening was this resurgence of a belief called millenarianism. Millenni. Millenarianism. The word millennium's in there somewhere. Millenarianism. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's basically a belief that the end of the world is imminent.
1: Oh. Okay. So this
0: arose around the year 1000. Um, they expected an apocalypse around the years 1000 and then 1033. Did it happen? <laughs> <laughs> no answer for this okay um i'm gonna guess no um, I'm, I'm sure you can maybe guess why millennialism because
1: it happens every thousand years
0: no that was the millennium of the birth and death of jesus 1000 and
1: oh. 1033 okay oh, okay fair enough cool yeah, got <laughs>
0: it i mean according to the bible not like I'm, that's not yeah, like yeah, true yeah. fact According to the Bible, this yeah. is the... Yeah, okay. Um, and so this idea, even though it didn't happen, presumably, um, continues throughout the 11th century. And in kind of the late 11th century, uh, they had this belief of the last emperor was going to come along at the end of all things and lead the faithful to Jerusalem to await the second coming of Christ. And in the late 11th century, they've identified the king of the Franks, the final successor of Charlemagne, as this last emperor.
2: Oh, that's very French of them.
0: (laughs) Shocking, right? Uh, Anyways.
2: The last emperor must be the king of France. So, in in
0: 1095 and 1096, there were several astronomical events that the peasants considered divine blessing and a sign of either this Mm (laughs) millennialism, I hate this word, or just general God saying, go do this thing. Both. One or the other, you know? There's a meteor right. shower. There was lots of aurora, aurora mm-hmm. everywhere. There was a lunar eclipse. There was a comet.
1: Oh, wow. A lot so all these of celestial things. things. And so, yeah. yeah, they
0: were like, okay, God wants us to go. So they end up with about 40,000 people, mostly unskilled fighters like women and children. So, again, Pope was like, no, don't do this. Hmm. Um, the most famous of these groups was brought together by a popular preacher called Peter, Peter the, the Hermit. Hermit. Yes, that's the one. Peter the Hermit. He I was love him. done. He was very dumb, but he was not so evil as the next guy I'll talk about. So we'll talk about Peter the Hermit first. So they get to Constantinople after, you know, some of the sources say marching and some of the sources say pillaging through Hungary and Bulgaria.
2: Probably both. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: Alexius advises Peter to wait for the main crusade force. Like, pretty much hasn't even left yet. Um, but his group just kind of attacking and pillaging everything around Constantinople. So Alexis is like, fine, go fight. Like, yeah. get away from me and on yeah. my city. Um, so they crossed into Asia Minor and then they began to split up and plunder more things. Kind of wandered into the Seljuk territories around Nicaea and were massacred by Turks.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see.
0: Peter wasn't, though.
2: Mm-hmm. No. He yeah. stayed in Constantinople, as I recall.
0: He does a few things, but I didn't have time to keep... And then, like, keep... disappeared. Yeah, I didn't have time to keep bringing them up. He pops up again, like, a few times, just randomly, but... Um, sure. Peter the Hermit yeah, he
2: yeah, through the first crusade, preached yeah.
0: through Germany and inspired other crusaders who also failed to reach Jerusalem. One of those groups was led by the evil dude I was talking about, uh, Count Emiko or Emicho, something like that. Um, basically... Led his group on a massacre of Jews all throughout Germany, at least five oh, yes, different the pogroms in you know, at least five different cities. Yeah, yeah. So that was an important turning point in the Jewish Christian relationships in the in the Middle Ages. It's apparently a pivotal moment in the history of anti-Semitism. Just sure. the idea that we'll just like there was just no real what's the word
1: like precedent at that point to
0: reason for it. He yeah. just you know what I mean. Like Peter wasn't talking about that. It just An excuse. He just needed an excuse and clearly wanted to do it already. That's what I'm that's what I'm gonna what I've read. (laughs) Um so I mean
2: it's not like the Jews were in charge of Jerusalem.
0: Uh no. Not for a very long so yeah long time. Um so the main crusading force, they departed in August ten ninety six. So yeah, before that, like all these people were going and they were like, We're not ready yet. We've gotta Raise money, organize, you know, sell and our stuff,
1: be an actual you know militia, and
0: kind of. I mean, they weren't all together, right? So this was like basically four factions. Okay, basically. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not going to say all the four leaders, even though
2: Richard the Lionheart's in there somewhere. Not yet. Not yet. He's not oh, in the second crusade. second crusade.
0: No. Yeah, or third. I don't know. He's not in this crusade. Sorry,
2: my bad. My bad.
0: That's all I got. Okay, so they get to Constantinople, December 23rd, 1096. They meet Alexios, who advises them how to deal with the Seljuk armies. Um, there was anywhere from 25,000 to 100,000 of them, because sources disagree. And sure. And this was a 1,000 years ago. Probably closer to 100,000, but who knows. Um, so the crusaders kind of expected maybe Alexios to become their leader, but he was like, nope. I just want you to go away. And I promise food and supplies. But you have to swear a fealty oath to me and promise to give, you know, any land you get, you know, to me.
2: To the back. Byzantines. Yes. Give me my land back, please.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um So only one of the actually five main leaders at this point uh, took the oath willingly. The others did so under duress. And one guy just didn't really at all. But once they were gone... Um, the Emperor didn't seem to really follow through on his end of the deal, hmm. so the Crusaders felt much less obligation. not that I doubt they actually felt were going much to. before yeah no. yeah, um, so basically, what this did though was make the Crusaders kind of Byzantines emp like enemy as well. they were like' sure. they're like we can't trust you,
1: yeah, mm-hmm.
0: anyways, in May. 1097, the Crusaders and some Byzantine soldiers do reach the capital of the Turkish Sultanate in Nicaea. This is present day, I'm going to say it wrong, Iznik, Turkey.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: surrendered. It was surrendered to the Byzantines on June 19th. Then the Crusade army left Nicaea for Antioch on June 26th. And they had to go through Anatolia, like the mountains. And yeah. there was battles along the way. And both sides had massive casualties on this march to Antioch. They arrived October 20th. And then they started to siege the city. And that was tough because this city was extremely well fortified. Um, they had like enormous walls with more than 400 towers. Um, a lot of the Crusaders died of starvation and disease while they were sieging the sure. walls. And it seemed pretty hopeless, so a lot of the crusaders deserted and tried to go home. Mm-hmm. Um I okay, I'm gonna name this person. Among one these deserters was the French knight Stephen of Blah Blah Blah. I don't know, it's oh, French. Stephen. B L O I S.
1: Like the
2: French like word the Anarchy Stephen who fought against Joffrey and Matilda?
0: Oh maybe. There's so many Stevens. I don't know. They all have the same names. That sounds How am I familiar. Supposed to...
1: Maybe. I don't but know. That was a different episode.
0: Anyways, he decided the Crusaders were doomed, so he went home. And on his way, he met Alexius, who was on his way with a relief force of Byzantine soldiers. And Stephen convinced him that this was hopeless, and just it really. There's no point. And so the emperor turned back. <laughs> And this may, oh, the been, <laughs> this may have been this may have been a good tactical decision at the time, or may not have been because, in hindsight, you know, the Crusaders might have given him Antioch, maybe, but once they learned he deserted them, they were definitely
2: not definitely, definitely
0: decided that that wasn't going to happen, and they decide the first one to enter the city was going to get to keep it. Yeah. Well, and by one I mean you know actual rulers, obviously not just like a soldier. A and guy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, so in the end, the Crusaders did succeed in their siege. Um, There's a Norman general, once again, I forget his name, who convinced basically someone on the inside that was just done with the fighting to let let him in over the wall on June 3rd, 1098, and then the Norman general let all the others in, and they quickly captured the city, restored the city to Christian rule. Um, and then they slaughtered all the Turks hmm. inside, like all of them.
1: That's a good way to, you know, really make friends.
0: <laughs> it To just kill all the random citizens not involved in the war?
1: Yeah. It's real, yeah. It's
0: real good. Um, despite that deal that they made, they then spent so much time arguing about who actually got to keep Antioch that they didn't continue marching to Jerusalem for a year.
2: Oh my god, for that long? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs>
0: I mean, other stuff probably happened, but that was the main reason given for them taking so long. I guess there there was, you know, a relief force of Turks that came and tried to take the city back, but that didn't last long. Then, you know, like I said, they argued. Pretty sure the Norman guy got to keep it in the end, but I don't remember his name.
1: Okay.
2: Robert. Bo- Bohemond? Robert. Oh, Robert. that's,
0: a, that's Robert? one of the leaders, but yeah. William the Conqueror's relation? Probably. Anyways, June 7th, 1099, the Christian army... Very reduced in size. I don't know. The estimates are like 12,000, 14,000. Finally reaches Jerusalem. And side note. In August 1098, the Fatimids, who were a dynasty established in Sicily and North Africa and the Middle East, they had now come to occupy Jerusalem. So the final crusade push was against the Fatimids, not the Seljuks. To be clear, both are Muslim dynasties, but the Fatimids were Shia, Mm-hmm. And the Seljuks were Sunni Muslims, so they didn't like again, just much. like the Christian thing. You've got the two different groups that are yes, both Muslim, but they're not the same at all, and they don't get along.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So the Fatimid governor, see is...
2: Iran and everyone else.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, and yes, other things that I remember in history from certain leaders doing things to their own people that were the other persuasion of Muslim. Um. The Fatimid governor, yeah very confident that he can withstand uh, a siege he's going to get relief forces coming from Egypt he'll be fine the crusaders or the crusaders don't have a bunch of supplies but did continue the siege long enough to get like a shipment of i think six like lots of supplies so that's
2: good supplies are important
0: um so they ended up winning the siege kind of due to siege towers that arrived in the middle of July so on July 15th the muslim governor surrendered the tower or in the tower of david and the siege leader promised protection. But, you know, his orders were disobeyed, let's just say. So hundreds, thousands, men, women, children, Muslim and Jewish all died because the Crusaders slaughtered everyone again.
1: Well, they do it. They did what they knew. I mean, they'd already done it <laughs> once. <laughs> well, the, the
0: Crusaders apparently brag. Quite true. Apparently. Don't know if this is actually true or apocryphal. That they, quote, rode in the blood of the infidels up to the knees of their horses. Mm. you know um so then most crusaders head home you know jerusalem's ours yay bye they leave some stayed to set up christian-run governments along the eastern coast of the mediterranean sea
1: yeah
0: um the county of edessa was set up a little earlier than in the story than this but it was the first of the four so-called crusader states mm-hmm. so their main job among other things, was to kind of act as a buffer against Turkish expansion. Yep. Um, The other three, well, you probably know this, Warren. Do you know the other three besides Edessa?
2: Well, the Principality of Antioch, the Kingdom of Jerusalem, and uh, Acre? Tyre?
0: Tripoli. Ah, Tripoli. Hmm. The County of Tripoli. I don't know the differences between principalities, counties, and kingdoms so much, but...
2: Well, a kingdom is ruled by a king, a principality is ruled by a prince... And a county is like a count.
0: Is that actually Probably. it? I
2: mean, that, I, I know the prince and it, the like, king thing.
0: Oh. And then you just extrapolate it's like, from
2: there. It's yeah. like
0: almost too obvious, so I overlooked it. I was <laughs> yeah. like, it can't just be that. I okay. mean, don't ask
2: me how they decided that one gets to be a kingdom and one only gets to be a principality. Yeah. yeah. No idea.
0: Because, like, presumably the prince is under the control of a king somewhere, too. But anyways... Anyways, um, the Kingdom of Jerusalem at the time covered what's now Israel, the West Bank, the Gaza Strip, Western Jordan, and some of the other adjacent areas. Um, the other states were like the coastal areas, uh, in like what's now Syria, Turkey, and Lebanon. Kind of just the, just the coastal areas. Uh, just Southeast Turkey, not like
1: all of Turkey. (laughs)
0: Um, so, um, just kind of a quick recap. How did that go for the Europeans? the First Crusade maybe Sounds could be considered a success yeah, out of yeah. out of any of them.
2: I mean, it's the only one, really.
0: Exactly.
2: <laughs> Do don't,
1: don't give it all away. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. yeah. We haven't got <laughs> there Chanel. yet.
0: Um, Crusaders allowed the Westerners to take advantage of the much rich, richer East for the first time since, I don't know, ancient Rome.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Uh, it also served as an outlet for Europe's youth and aggression. <laughs> so basically... Like we said before, the population explodes in the high middle ages because, you know, the Vikings stop killing everyone in like, you know, around 1000. So there's some calm. There's some repopulation happening. And a lot of people tie the Crusades with these rapidly changing demographics um, because like the first three Crusades ish are like almost 40 years apart. Like, oh, no, we have a bunch of young men who are going to start fights within Europe. We got to send them off to war.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm, as you do
0: yeah and then they die and then you start over again right um
2: <laughs> exactly
0: yeah so um basically things were a success maybe this success and confidence contributed to the renaissance in art and literature um obviously it's not fair not to mention the downside of the crusades like you know all the slaughtering uh
2: so yeah all Oh, people who just died?
0: <laughs> it made the church kind of start to seem commercial and greedy. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm
0: hmm. Seem, I'm going to put in air quotes.
2: Okay.
0: Like as if Makes that sense. was not the truth or something. Um, you know, it obviously increased antagonism between the West and the East. Mm hmm. Uh, yep. Like I said, Byzantines, that didn't, that didn't help relationships between the two churches, nor between Islam and Christianity. Uh, maybe kind of to this day, things, <laughs> aren't going so well in those arenas. Okay. So let's just hop on to the second crusade then. Let's see how that one goes, even though I think you might know by now. Um In the decades following that first crusade, uh, eh, there were some kinder kind of rulers, but mostly people ruled with an iron fist and oppressed any religion that wasn't theirs. And... Hurt feelings do develop pretty quickly in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> apparently, even the fellow Christians in these like uh, Crusader states really started to dislike their rulers. Um, they, well, it was like one quote, devoted themselves to all kinds of debauchery and allowed their women folk to spend whole nights at wild parties.
1: Oh they boy! They mixed
0: with trashy people and drank the most delicious wines.
2: Not the trashy people.
0: Oh, yeah. This isn't how religious people are supposed to act. So anyways, didn't last long. Around 1130, Muslim forces began, you know, succeeding in their jihad against the Christians again. um, Whom, you know, by the way, they called Franks. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, Mm. where we get that from. So in 1144, the Seljuk Turks capture Edessa. um, And... Christians were like, uh-oh, we, maybe we need another crusade. So there was Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, who is the holiest man of the day, apparently. And he endorsed a new crusade and said, also, we shouldn't massacre the Jews this time. Everyone, by the way. That's a
2: good point to make.
0: And Yeah, if you're influential, it's good to say these things, right? Probably
2: not popular at the time, but a good point to make. <laughs>
0: So, the Second Crusade was announced by Pope Eugene Third. That name makes me giggle. I don't know why. Anyways, this was the first of the Crusades to be led by European kings. Um, Louis VII. We're on, we're on the 7th, if you're keeping track. Louis mm-hmm. VII of France and Conrad Third of Germany.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, they marched across Europe separately, which is important because different things happen to these armies. Sure.
1: Um,
0: so, in Anatolia... Both armies are going to get defeated by the Seljuk Turks, which separately, okay? So, I'm going to talk about... Always
2: smart to (laughs) engage your enemies separately when you're on a crusade.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs)
2: Yes, exactly. Germans can't trust the French. That's not new. Or old. But it is old.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. It's quite old. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So, there was some that say that the Byzantines deliberately sabotaged the Crusaders in this one. Mm. Um. They, they do say that, oh goodness, Manuel the first Comnenos, another Komnenos, uh, secretly hindered the crusaders' progress in Anatolia by deliberately ordering the Turks to attack them. I don't know how he can order them to attack. Anyways, um, but this is mostly claimed by Odo of Dweel. Dweil? I'm going with Dweel. How do you spell that? Um, D E U I L. I have no idea how you say it. Huh. Um, and, he, the Odo, was very notoriously anti-Byzantine. So no one's quite sure you can really sure. trust what he says about the Byzantines. It's probably propaganda because Emperor Emmanuel had really no political reason to do this. Um, so Louis and Conrad did successfully reach Jerusalem with very few troops uh, in 1148. And they attacked Damascus.
2: They reached Jerusalem but attacked Damascus?
0: Yeah. I don't know why. That's how it that's how it was put on the source. Okay. They reached Jerusalem and participated in eleven forty eight in an ill-advised attack.
2: I mean Damascus. On Damascus was was a in big Syria. Deal, so maybe they were just like a loot. Maybe they just wanted some loot.
0: Exactly. I'm gonna kinda of mention this at the end, but it seemed like people did kind of avoid taking the Holy Land even when they had the opportunity to take it. So I'm going to guess that's what happened here. They got to Jerusalem and were like, oh, I don't really want it. And then, because <laughs> <laughs> it's useless. It's anyway. already been plundered. Right. So they were defeated in a rather humiliating manner. And that just ends the second crusade. Womp womp. There was just
2: nothing. <laughs> okay. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but they did have a few successes in other parts of the world that were technically part of this crusade. So um, there was this combined force of about 13,000 troops that were like Flemish, Flemish, Friesian, Norman, English, Scottish, and German. Okay. And on their way to the Holy Land, they stopped and helped a small Portuguese army capture Lisbon from the Moors. Oh, yay. So that was one thing that Portugal. did go right.
2: You go Portugal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's just talk about the Third Crusade because it's much more interesting than the Second Crusade. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, the Third Crusade started because of another turnover of power in the Middle East. So, in Egypt, a new Muslim leader comes about named Saladin, and he recaptures Syria and most of the Holy Lands, including Jerusalem, in 1187. So, Saladin um, was apparently a kind of honorable dude. Like, he left all the treasure in Jerusalem. Wow. He said, if we make excuses to confiscate this wealth, that." they, the, the Franks, will accuse us of treachery and let's not make them accuse people of breaking their oaths. Like, let's, they'll talk about how nice we are. Like, let's, yeah, let sure them talk about out. our benevolence because <laughs> okay. we're
2: honorable.
0: Um, and yeah, they- so, That is a
2: nice thought. <laughs> yeah. That is a nice thought. <laughs>
0: See how that worked out for them. <laughs> um So Jerusalem's no longer in Christian hands and people were like, okay, we need another crusade. This time though, it was much more well-organized and well-equipped. Um, the German Emperor Frederick Bar- Barbarossa, mm. the French King F- Philip Augustus, and this is when Richard.
2: Richard yeah, the Lionheart. Yay. Yes.
0: King of England, um, decided to join forces in the name of God. Mm. Yes. To avenge on, on a quest Christendom. Yes, on a quest. Mm. In the name of God.
1: Yeah.
0: A mission from God, maybe. Okay. But it didn't begin too well. Unfortunately. So first, Frederick drowned while crossing a river.
1: As you do. Ill-advised.
0: Either because he had a heart attack or because he fell off his horse and his armor was too heavy. So he mm-hmm. just drowned.
1: Mm-hmm. We don't, do.
0: we don't know which one. Um, so his troops just turned her back. They're like, nah, we don't have a leader by. So next, Philip and Richard had, had a fight and, um, no one knows exactly what it was about. There is allusion to the court gossip of the time that this was a personal issue. Mm -hmm. Mm. That they, you know, there's a lot of reference in history that they were lovers, but who knows. There's other things they could have been fighting about as the kings of France and England.
2: Sure. Uh, Especially since Richard owned a lot of lands in France at the time.
0: Yeah. So they had a fight and Philip goes back to France. Mm. So now Richard is alone, but decided let's keep going. Um, and in September of 1191, Richard's forces defeated Saladin in the Battle of Arsuf, which was the only true battle of the Third Crusade. Hmm. Oh. So Richard, from the recaptured city of Jaffa, establishes Christian control again over some of the region around Jerusalem, starts to approach, but he refuses to actually lay siege. Um, and Saladin kind of just gives it to him.
1: Hmm. Well, benevolent. In September yeah. Cuz he's a stand-up guy. Yeah. yeah.
0: So in September 1192, they sign a peace treaty, reestablishes the kingdom of Jerusalem, but without the city of Jerusalem.
1: Oh. Just the oh. other
0: areas. Yeah. And okay. that Fair enough. And that ends the Third Crusade. And that didn't make a lot of people happy because making deals with the Muslims was in their minds not the point.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. okay. Just just killing them. Yeah. I-
0: exactly. Yeah. So, like I said, people weren't happy with him. So on his way home, he was captured by the Germans. Um specifically, <laughs> okay. he was captured by Frederick Barbarossa's son. And he was well, got
2: a sweet ransom out of him, as I recall.
0: Well, literally a king's ransom.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, That's... it's
0: terrible, it's terrible. I know, I know. That's
1: where it comes from, yeah. It's yeah. true. It's true though.
0: <laughs> Hundred thousand pounds. Yeah. Which nearly bankrupts England. Um, John, who was, you know, the Regenton successor, Richard's brother, now had a lot of trouble and debt to, to deal with. Yeah. It's, it's not cool. So, in the end, the Third Crusade had gained Cyprus and the coastal city of Acre, and Saladin had guaranteed access to Jerusalem to the pilgrims and welcomed Jews back to the city. So,
1: yeah. kind of successful in a way.
0: It wasn't the worst crusade. <laughs> That's Certainly. true. Certainly. It was. It was no
2: second crusade. <laughs> That's for sure.
0: Um. But yeah, they hadn't gotten the city back. Yeah. So people were disappointed mm. in Europe. Um. It also, you know, it led to a lot of because the third crusade had led to a lot of infighting within Europe. They were pretty disappointed. They're like, this again. It's not the point of the crusades. You're supposed to go fight them.
1: Yeah. Others.
0: Mm-hmm. Um for a lot of people well, they're gonna love
1: the Fourth
2: Crusade.
0: <laughs> that's why the Fourth Crusade happened so quickly, because the Third Crusade might as well not have even happened. They didn't get anything out of the deal as as far as some people were concerned. So Pope Innocent the Third becomes Pope in January eleven ninety eight and preaching, you know, for a new crusade became like the prime goal of his I wanna say rule, even though it sounds weird for a Pope, but Papacy.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: this word is that I found was pontificate, but it sounded too yeah, same. Eh. I don't know, pedantic. Uh, it's Anyways. A word. fair enough. Yes, pontificate. Um, but he was pretty much ignored because the Germans didn't really like the Pope right now.
2: Oh yeah, they were in the middle of that investiture controversy. I think at that time.
0: Correct. I don't know what that is. I didn't have time to look that up, but I saw that word and I was it's like, it's basically a I'm fight between say... like
2: who has the right to nominate bishops: the Pope or the Emperor. Oh. Because for a long time it was the emperor and he was like, I like you and you're going to do things for me so you can be a bishop. And then the Pope was like, Uh, well, that's not right. I should be able to decide because then I can put in people who like me.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. And they had a big fight.
0: Yes. Um, England and France were ignoring the Pope because they were, you know, like pretty much always at war with each other and they didn't really have time for this.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: Ain't nobody got time for that. So eventually, eventually they get an army organized. Eventually. Um, they decide we're going to attack Egypt this time. That's okay. the goal of our crusade. Egypt. Oh. And this time, we should not march through Anatolia.
1: Yeah. And where are they going to go then?
0: They are going to go by sea.
1: Oh, okay. Take some boats. Yeah. From Italy? The scenic route.
0: Uh, yes, but we'll get there in a second. Okay. First, I want to talk about Byzantium. Okay. Because they're having issues. Sure. Speaking of Byzantium was what I was gonna say, you know, they didn't want to mess with Byzantium, so they're not gonna to march to Anatolia. Yeah. In eleven ninety-five there was a coup in Byzantium, which replaced Isaac II Angelos with his brother Alexius III Angelos. So, yeah. What happens when an empire emperor gets replaced in this empire is that you have the old one blinded and exiled, because that's what you do when someone's treasonous. And I guess when you do a coup, the person you replaced is automatically treasonous.
1: Sure. I'll just your You're not allowed to be
2: emperor if you're blind. So if you blind the other guy, it means he can't go back.
0: Well, that's not true. I mean, that's not what happened, but that's okay. I'll get to it.
2: Was it blinded? Uh, Maybe it's having your lips cut off. I don't know. I don't like know. That.
0: But apparently, Isaac II had been a very incompetent ruler. He let the treasury dwindle, he outsourced their navy to the Venetians. Uh, but unfortunately, Alexius didn't do any better. He bankrupted the treasury completely and didn't look after any of the defenses or like relationships with allies or anything like that. Um, the, his chief admirable, admiral, who was not admirable, anyways, <laughs> who was apparently his wife's brother in law, um, sold the fleet, just all, everything, down to the very nails and took all the money and fled. So, oh. you know. Everything yes. everything was bad in Byzantium with the rulers. Um, I just want you to know that, but we're going to go back to the Crusaders now.
2: Okay. I mean, it's important context.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yes, as you said, Italy. Because the Pope needs ships, and he doesn't have his own ships. That's not how that works. So, he uh, talks to some, I don't know, the Geno- Genovese, whatever. They don't want to help him. Venice says, okay.
1: Sure. We'll help yeah. you.
0: So, they make this agreement, um, which is like... Venice has to build, like, a ton of ships, train the sailors, and, like, provide the sailors to mount all the ships. Um, and that meant they couldn't do their own commercial activities yeah. in the city during this time. So they were expecting, like, a, uh, I don't know, 33,000-person army. And that's what they told the Venetians. Prepare for this many transports. Mm-hmm. And, you know, including, like, 4,500 horses, which, you know. Yeah. More room is there. Anyways, that's not what happened is the problem. So, made in 1202 is where we're at now. Most of the Crusader army gets to Venice and they're like 12,000. Oh, dear. The Venetians had prepared 50 war galleys and 450 transports, you know, enough for what yeah. they were told they needed. Mm-hmm. And... The crusaders were like, why would we pay for all that stuff? We don't need that. And we don't have the money anyways. <laughs> the Venetians are like, that's not cool. Uh, you're supposed to pay us 85,000 silver marks. Uh, and you're trying to pay them, like 35,000 silver marks. So you should just stay here and be in jail.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's reported that they had between 14,000 and 30,000 men ready to sail these ships and man these ships out of Venice's entire population of 60 to 100,000 people.
1: Like, wow.
0: Like, they had yeah. lost out on, like, they, this is big, this is a big deal. Um, but there are more ways than one for an army to earn their passage. So in this case, I mean, there's a lot of stuff happens that I don't have time for in negotiation-wise.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. But
0: in the end, here's what happens. Zara, is, which is one of Venice's subject states that was apparently on the eastern shore of the Adriatic, they had revolted from Venice. And to defend themselves, they had allied with King Emmerich of Hungary and Croatia, which made them part of the papal states because King Emmerich was Catholic. Something like that. Yeah, that's what sure. I understand from the situation. So the Venetians were like, okay, maybe you don't have to pay if you can just stop in at Zara on your way out and force them back into our empire. Yeah. That's, that's good. Um, a
2: little bit of barter.
0: Yeah. So seeing how King Emric had actually been a crusader in the Third Crusade and Zara was, you know, like I said, a Catholic territory, this was not part of Pope Innocent's plan, and he was not a fan. Really? Mm-hmm. Shockingly? Yeah. Yeah. This was the first time a Crusaders had attacked a Catholic state, because that's not supposed to be the point. Yeah. So, the Pope withdraws his support of the Crusade, withdraws any of the funding he was actually giving them, and that didn't stop them. So, then he issues a writ of excommunication on all of them. So, you know, all their souls are condemned.
1: Yeah. Too bad for them. Um. <laughs> Harsh bug.
0: But that didn't make any difference to the crusaders. And it's thought that maybe the crusade leaders just didn't actually tell any of the knights. Like, they got this correspondence from the pope and didn't tell anyone that they were excommunicated and their souls were damned. Hey, boss, what's that letter you got
2: there? Nothing. <laughs> right?
0: Because yeah. they didn't want to, you know. Keep killing the, the Serbs. Morale. Were they Serbs?
2: I mean, it's by Serbia. Oh, I don't actually know. Okay. But it's by Serbia. Okay. Yeah. So it I had would not no idea. be surprising if they Okay.
0: Were. Um, anyways. They, they did what they were asked to. They delivered Zara back to the Venetians. And eventually the Pope just rescinded the excommunication order. He decided that the Crusaders were coerced by the Venetians. So he'll forgive them. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So then, Always
2: blame the Venetians.
0: <laughs> then by um, Especially for when another long story, I don't have time to tell. The Crusaders come across Alexius IV Angelus. Who is the son of blinded and exiled Emperor Isaac II. So when his father was exiled, Alexius fled Byzantium and was staying with his brother-in-law, Philip of Swabia. Swabia. Mm-hmm. King of Germany. I don't know why it's called Germany then? I'm, I'm confused about that.
2: It's, that's a whole episode too. Okay. What is the kingdom of Germany? What is the Holy Roman Emperor? How are they different? Are they actually the same thing? Yeah. Well, right. That's, that's very complicated. Well, yeah. I don't even understand. If
0: it. Alexius's brother-in-law was anyway, king of Germany, it's, everyone was related. It's so confusing. The only part that's important is that Alexius IV is going to offer to pay the entire debt owed to the Venetians, give an extra two hundred thousand silver marks to the Crusaders, provide ten thousand professionally trained Byzantine Byzantine troops to the Crusade, maintain five hundred knights in the Holy Land for them, give the Byzantine navy you know to them as their new transport service, yeah, um, and place the Eastern Orthodox Church back under the Pope's authority.
1: Wow, that's if a pretty good deal.
0: They would just first not go to almost Egypt.
2: A suspic- go to almost a suspiciously. Almost Yeah, just else. just
0: sail to Constantinople and make me the emperor instead of Alexius III. Yeah. Komnenos. Alec- Angelus? Angelus? One of them is Angelus. One of the, anyways. And just too many Alexius. Why are they all doing the same thing?
2: Yeah. Um, Insert Greek name here. Yeah. And go on.
0: So the Crusaders... Do defeat Alexius III, but defeating might be the wrong word. Because even though he had, like, a much stronger, larger army that was ready to fight, he pretty much just ran away. Like him, he just ran. So, what happened
1: then is
0: the Byzantines were like, well, you don't get to say who's emperor. We can say who's emperor. So they put Isaac II back on the, I want to say throne. Throne? Sure.
2: Yeah, it was definitely a throne.
0: And they say, but you can be co-emperor, Alexius. So then there was co-emperors, father and son. Mm-hmm. One with eyes and one not so much.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And this is about mid...
2: I mean, it, it's probably important to note that that wasn't a weird thing.
0: The co-emperor thing? Yeah, co-emperors oh, had enough. been a thing in
2: Byzantium history for that. quite a while oh, okay. at this point. It was usually like a easy way to insert, ensure succession. So sure. you're old, you'd be like, my son is co-emperor. Wouldn't like on-the-job training.
0: Anyways? Yeah, I was gonna say more like an intern. Wow, it's like an intern. I mean, you'd
2: say that, but that would require people respecting the hereditary rule, which wasn't really always the case. Apparently, I
0: did read that that they, they were, had a lot. They didn't of, care so much in Byzantium. They're no, like, they, they you're really not qualified. Did. I don't want you on the throne. So this yeah. guy gets to lead now. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Anyways, this is mid 1203. Um, Alexius IV soon realizes his promises weren't going to be so easy to keep. Um, when Alexius III had run away, he took lots, I don't want to say most, lots of the gold and jewels um, from the empire. Treasury's not looking so full anymore. Um, so Alexius IV orders the destruction and melting of the valuable Roman icons to get their gold and silver, but he only got up to about 100,000 silver marks. Um, this whole thing, as well as the, I promise to give us back to the Pope thing, um, meant that people didn't like him so much. Sure. And uh It's basically Alexius... just an
1: invasion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and
1: well, looting. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, uh, and so yeah, Isaac... We'll get to the looting. Isaac dies, you know, like right away. Alexius then dies because someone strangled him.
1: Mm, you know, yeah.
0: another palace That does happen. In early yeah. 1204. So yeah, he did not last, didn't last even a year, I don't think. Yeah. So, um, in response, though, to this strangling of the guy they put on the throne, the Crusaders declared war on Constantinople because hmm.
2: they easy because they were already there at the time. Yeah.
0: Well, no, that's not true. They did sail they away.
2: Oh, they sailed away. Okay. But they
0: came back. Like they didn't get all I the Egypt and come part. back. They just like they they started to leave and then came back right back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Came
0: right back. Um. So the resulting sack of Constantinople in 1204 lasted three days. And pretty much destroyed the city, which sucks because they destroyed a, well, the great library. The great yeah. library of Constantinople. And uh, who knows how much, obviously, we lost there. Yeah. Considering. Unimaginable. The Greek masters probably, you know, it was probably full of all of that stuff. And we only have a few plays by all these guys that we know wrote hundreds. And it's very sad. They didn't just destroy the library, by the way. They decided to use it to stable their horses.
1: <laughs> of very, res- they very
0: respectful of knowledge, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Um, Crusaders. So they
0: looted about 900,000 silver marks from Constantinople.
1: Holy cow.
0: The Venetians got 150,000. The Crusaders got about 50,000. Um, then they divided 100,000 more between the Crusaders and Venetians. And the 500,000 that's left. Who knows? Uh, Who knows? So some crusader knights clearly kept it secretly, but we don't know which ones are...
2: Medieval embezzlement. Yeah. Yeah. Undoubtedly.
0: Um, So they split the Byzantine Empire between the Venetians, the newly established Latin Empire of Constantinople, uh, and put Baldwin of Flanders in charge as emperor.
2: They do love their Baldwins, these crusaders.
0: There was quite a few of those guys too, yeah. Yeah. Baldwin. I like Baldwin
2: the Leper in Jerusalem, one of the last yeah. kings of Jerusalem.
1: It's a yeah. good name.
0: <laughs> great, great name. Descriptive,
1: or descriptive, I should say. Indeed.
0: Um. All right, so that's like the main crusades. The first four are the main crusades. The and rest it, are like the last crusades. The interesting thing now,
1: about the fourth one is yeah. that really n- no non-Christian
0: they didn't go to Egypt. targets
1: were... <laughs> <laughs>
0: they didn't go to Egypt. Yes, exactly. They only fought Christian states and didn't even ever go to Egypt.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, let's go to the non-main crusades.
0: Yeah, so those weren't, the rest of them weren't so much aimed at any Muslim groups either. Okay. Uh, so you've got, like, the you know, enemies of the Christian faith don't have to be Muslim is the new idea. Yeah. Uh, so Innocent III Third. Calls a new crusade in 1208 called the Albigensian Crusade, which we did talk about in our Inquisition, Inquisition. episode. Um, Albigensians, also called the Cathars, that went all the way to 1229. Uh, so this was like uh, France, southern France, and they were trying to get rid of the heretics who refused to follow the Pope's rules. Yeah. They wanted to be Christian their own way, which is not okay.
2: No, definitely not. Not allowed.
0: Uh, no. So, it's tough, because this one was called Albigensian Crusade, but it's also kind of a, the First Inquisition, but not officially. It's kind of both. That's what I've decided, even though it's a little confusing, I think. Sure. Yeah. Um, then there was the Baltic Crusades
1: hey. between
0: 1211 and 1225, which was to subdue those pagans in Transylvania and surrounding areas, but mostly Transylvania. Transylvania? That's what I, that's what I read.
2: Hmm. Transylvania isn't in the Baltic; it's in Hungary.
0: Well, then whatever source I read was was kind of weird, but pretty sure I got that from Britannica. So I don't know.
2: I mean, the Baltic Crusade was definitely a thing. There might have been a crusade in Transylvania. I have no idea.
0: Encyclopedia Britannica said so <laughs> Transylvania is not in
2: the Baltic. I'm just saying. Okay,
0: yeah. um, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. We should look that up after this is done, so I can learn the correct thing. That's what you get for trusting encyclopedias. Hmm. You think Prussia, you find you think you could Lithuania, find good like sources? Uh, is that where they went?
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Up in that whole little part of the world. There yeah. you go. That's why there were a whole bunch of Germans over there at some point. Well, but there was the, definitely the Germans in
0: Transylvania. We talked about that in Vlad the Impaler. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Hmm.
2: Maybe they also went to Transylvania. Yeah.
0: Maybe
2: I don't know about that part. Okay. I, I would like to. We're, we're going to yeah, clarify
0: let's, let's that. Learn that. Let's Maybe learn that. Maybe next episode we'll correct ourselves. Okay. Then there was a thing called the Children's Crusade. Maybe there was a thing mm. called that, but did it happen? I don't know. So in twelve twelve, apparently thousands of children vowed to you know march to Jerusalem, and people don't regard it as like an actual crusade, but. Was it real? And was it actually children? And either way, they didn't get to the Holy Land. That's mm. not what happened. Um, so
2: They all died, as I recall. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them.
0: Well, here's what I... If it really happened. Here's what I have... Uh, I don't want to say figured out, because maybe it's just wrong, but... <laughs> in spring 1212, the church was trying to recruit people to fight the, you know, Muslims in Spain, the Cathars, you know... Um, so, volunteers that were not qualified were called the puri by 13th century writers. And that's a Latin term that can mean children or, you know, boys. So, people were like, okay, it's the children's crusade. But now, but historians actually think, like, uh puri could have just meant, like, youthful inexperienced...
2: Bad fighters.
0: Poor landless peasants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. They're socially small, mm. was, was is the thinking. Okay. You know, socially unimportant. And that's why they use that term, and it wasn't actually children.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but we do know that Children's Crusade had kind of two main leaders. Stephen from Cloyes. Clo- oh, it's French, so it's probably like Cloy. I don't know. Probably don't say the S part at the end if it's French. I don't know. It's, it's Probably, on the Loire yeah. in central France. Yeah. And then in Germany, there was Nicholas of Cologne. Ah,
2: Cologne. Well.
0: So Stephen was a shepherd, and maybe he was 12. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Um, and it's said knows? that Saladin's capture of the true cross in 1187 is what inspired the children's crusade, because they needed to go to Holy Land to recover the true cross. Um, Philip II, though, of France, didn't support them. But he did take it seriously enough to, like, consult what was called the Paris Masters. So, like, learned men of the church. Okay. And, you know, that meant, again, he's taking it, like, he's a little worried that they were going to inspire some kind of civil unrest. Yeah. Um. And so they advised the king to, to command them to go home. So that's what they did. The end.
2: Oh, Nice. Hmm. Um, and they all lived happily ever after
0: well hmm. (laughs) so let's talk about Nicholas so like he really you know like Joan of Arc was like I'm hearing God talk to me and thousands of people were following him and they gather in Cologne in 1212 around Easter time and they do march into Spire in southwest Germany by July and then they march south and cross the Alps which is obviously tough and they were hungry and tired and a lot of them died or turned back and they get to Northern Italy on August 20th. So they walked over 400 miles in one month, wow. um, like 650, 700 kilometers. Yeah. A, a lot. And most of them just kind of like made the walk all the way to Genoa and then stayed there.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then there's the 5th Crusade. Is nice.
2: It's hard to leave Italy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, which was also put into motion by Pope Innocent III before he died in 1216. And the Crusaders were attacking Egypt for real this time. They did get to Egypt by land and sea. Um, and some articles say they were defeated by Saladin's nephew, Al-Malik Al-Kamil, in 1221. But, like, I feel like defeated is maybe too strong of a term for what happened, because it seems like they landed on the shores of the Nile right in time for the annual flood, got trapped in the high waters, and uh just kind of were slaughtered just kind of because they were trapped. Like, oh. <laughs> defeated, it just seems like they were, like, not super smart, because it's an annual flood and it's pretty clear when it's going to happen. But whatever, whatever. Uh That was the Fifth Crusade. <laughs> Uh in 1229 uh okay. then there's the 6th crusade emperor Frederick II basically um transferred Jerusalem to back to the crusaders control by negotiating with Al-Kamil and then the peace treaty expires and the muslims regain control of Jerusalem and so good
2: negotiation <laughs> yeah
0: so this is and it had Did nothing I? to do and nothing to do with the pope actually. It wasn't sanctioned by the Pope. It wasn't called for by the Pope. So some people call it Frederick's Crusade. You know. So if it wasn't clear, this is Holy Roman Emperor Frederick II. I I don't know. I'm still confused confused about this Holy Roman Emperor. Like, who is he? King of Germany. Okay.
2: Yeah. And Italy. Oh. For a while. Okay. Until Italy decided they had enough of that.
0: Yeah. So um, the Pope... At the time, like, refused to acknowledge it as a, as a crusade. And because he, you know, negotiated again instead of, instead of fighting, a bunch of people said that again, that's not a crusade. So, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't, you don't, you didn't
2: kill enough people. You
0: don't count. And besides, they got it back when the peace treaty expired. So I, I refuse to acknowledge this as a crusade. So is this the sixth crusade? I don't know. Um, there was the Shepherd's Crusade of 1251 led by a elderly Hungarian.
2: Yay!
0: Um, <laughs> so the Shepherds' Crusade—they—they they were trying to rescue King Louis the Ninth.
1: Okay, and did yeah. they?
0: So here's the thing: in 1249, where Louis the Ninth oh. went on a crusade? Oh, okay, leaving his mother Blanche, Blanche of Castile, oh yeah, to be the regent,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Louis gets defeated and captured in Egypt at the Battle of Ferriscure.
2: Oh, uh, they're going after Egypt again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, lots. And so the nobles and the peasants were all really sad because they loved the king and he was pious and he actually became a saint, this this guy. Oh, St. Saint Louis. Saint
1: Louis.
0: Yeah. Um, How original. Mm. I, I can't believe he was captured by heathens. Uh, so <laughs> Louis sent his brothers to France to, you know, I don't know, hopefully send someone back to save him. But um, it didn't seem to the people like anyone was trying to help Louis. Mm-hmm. So, they thought that they had to do it, I guess, is what this crusade was all about. Okay. Um, so, you know, this old Hungarian monk guy claimed he saw visions of the Virgin Mary and she ordered him to get an army together and rescue him, rescue the king. So, around Easter 1251, about 60,000 people were led by this old Hungarian dude, caused a bunch of disruption throughout France, and began to attack the Jews
1: of course
0: so they
2: of course they never really did they get louis back (laughs) from the
0: jews (laughs) the next line was they never really went beyond northern france (laughs) (laughs) basically blanche ordered them all to you know disperse and rounded them up and excommunicated all of them um good job guys and the master guy was just was just killed yeah so that wasn't really a great one either um, so this was more of a, a peasants' revolt in France, but again, it was called the Shepherd's Crusade, so who knows. Um, to be clear, in earlier crusades, the Pope said that you'd be forgiven of all your sins if you just went on a crusade. Wow. I don't think that that applied in this okay. In these crusades. Okay, got it.
1: Sure. Rules of engagement have changed to, a bit. It had no, to no, be no.
0: like a Pope-approved crusade for okay. this whole forgiveness from anything that you've done if you just go kill people for me thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll forgive you for a murder you did here if you go murder over there. Because
1: um, so, it's pious murder. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I kind of mentioned it, but that covers the Seventh Crusade as well. Maybe the Seventh. I don't know. It's super confusing, the numbers, because Louis Louis goes to try to take Egypt in. Doesn't. Just is bad and gets captured. You know
2: what um, would have been more effective than like 60,000 peasants? A bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. They would have probably taken a ransom for that. I bet they would have. Yeah. I, yeah. They probably ended up doing that if he ever got out of prison. I don't know. So,
0: um, as the crusaders were struggling along in these in these new endeavors, a new dynasty called the Mamlu- Mamluks,
2: oh, the mm-hmm. Mamluks, yeah,
0: who were descended from former slaves of the Islamic empire, they take power in Egypt. So, in 1260, Mamluk forces in Palestine halted the mo- advance of the Mongols. Who I'm sure you know, Genghis Khan, yeah. those guys. Um, and their Sultan, Sultan Baybars, um kind of demolished Antioch in nineteen sixty eight. So nineteen sixty eight? Um that was the wrong number. Twelve
2: sixty eight would be a more boy. That's a bit I did not realize longer. the Mamluks were still around in nineteen sixty eight.
0: So then that's why the eighth crusade happens in twelve seventy. Um, so the initial goal was we're going to, we're going to aid the remaining crusader states in Syria. Um, but then they redirected themselves to Tunis and that's <laughs> hmm. where Louis eventually dies. You know, okay. he tried real hard. He got captured in the seventh one and the eighth one. He just dies. So, you know, dies in Tunis.
1: Okay.
0: Um, Edward the first of England uh. does a crusade in 1271, which to some is against the Scots. Okay. That was a joke. Um, not that one. Um, to some, it's grouped with the Eighth Crusade. To some, this is the Ninth Crusade. To some, this is just not a crusade. I don't know. It's very confusing again. Uh, but that was considered the last significant crusade to the Holy Land, even though they didn't really do anything. <laughs> so in 1291, the Crusader city of Acre fell to the Mamluks, which ended all of the Latin Crusader kingdoms. Yeah. There's no more. Um, there was a lot of calls for new crusades over the next century or two, but everyone was starting to ignore them. Um, at his great centennial jubilee in 1300C, which was apparently a celebration of Christianity's might, Pope Boniface okay. VIII offered indulgences to Christian pilgrims if they would just crusade to Rome and not Jerusalem. Basically, to Rome? What was going on in Rome? He was was redefining crusade as pilgrimage. He was just like, please, please, let's, let's just, I know you always keep calling for crusades, So let's crusade to Rome and please stop trying to fight the Muslims. It's not going well for us.
2: Yeah, it's a bad look when you lose that many times.
0: Yeah, he basically was saying there's just no point anymore in doing this. Yeah. So all in all, crusades were kind of a failure for Western Europe. If we're gonna take them as a whole, okay. Um, there was a lot of blood loss. There was a lot of things destroyed and looted. Uh, there was a lot of uh, well, the Byzantines kind of got destroyed by the Crusaders. Not yeah. even, not even by the Turks after all.
2: Well, yes, it, and also it, it's hard to. They did recapture uh, Constantinople eventually and reform the empire, and then the Ottomans.
1: Yeah. Ended. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, there are some that said the conflicts in the Middle East and the current conflicts, well, current, recent, relatively conflicts in the Balkans, kind of all stem from all of this, all of this fighting and taking yeah, each other's if, territories and such things.
2: Definitely yeah. set them on the path to not being a thing anymore.
0: Yeah. Um. So I just want to quickly touch on one more point because I found it interesting. Is like, why did they lose so bad? Why was it such a disaster for them after the first one? Uh, and the mm, most popular answer that historians have given is like a lack of motivation. So, you know...
2: That's a long way. The yeah.
0: armies just didn't seem that interested in taking the Holy Land. Like, we talked about in the Third Crusade, for example, Richard the Lionheart's pretty much defeated Saladin. He's right there within Jerusalem's range and then he just kind of quits without taking Jerusalem. Uh... He tried to convince the army to attack Egypt instead, but they didn't really want to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, so Saladin was going to surrender and Richard was like, nah, let's just make a deal, whatever, which is not what Europe wanted him to do. But then Richard goes back to Europe and fights other Europeans. Yeah. So it was quite obvious he would have rather had other land. Uh, the Fourth Crusaders preferred to attack the Byzantines than the Muslims. Yeah, they sure uh, did. <laughs> so there's a historian named Thomas Asbridge that suggested, basically, after the First Crusader II, e- Europe is transitioning from a deeply religious society to a more worldly political society. And that's why um, they didn't have as much motivation. Um, that has been argued,
1: though? Sure. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that other historians say he's wrong uh, because the lack of motivation is better explained by the fact that the perceived threat of the Turks had kind of passed. So this guy named Thomas Madden instead argues that the First Crusade was seen as a defensive counterattack.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and it was easy to sell it to the people as that because over the prior three centuries, two-thirds of the territories that had been under Christian political rule had then come under Muslim rule.
1: Right.
0: Oh yeah, there we go. That's where I wrote it. Including the conquest of Spain and Turkish control to within 125 miles of Constantinople. That's 125 miles. Maybe Antioch, oh, it, yeah. but they had gotten to within 125 yeah, miles of yeah, yeah. Constantinople. So that's, again, way too close. Um, but by the end of the Third Crusade, it's been like two centuries since there's been any Islamic expansion into Christian lands. Um, Spain had been mostly reclaimed by then. So... It was hard to sell this as a defense of Christendom. And yeah. people didn't care so much anymore about that. Um, That's a And another factor in the lack of motivation is money. You know, such as life. It's important to remember, this historian says, pretty much everyone in the Middle Ages uh, was poor. <laughs> um, Except for some China, which was in their golden age, everyone was kind of poor and starving. So if you're going to go to war, it has to have an economic... Reward and economic dimension to it. Otherwise, like you just can't spare the resources for just a purely ideological
1: yeah.
0: conflict. Um, and again, the ter the, the another thing with like, the lack of motivation is that the territories religious the zealous, the religious people really wanted, like Jerusalem, were just not economically valuable. So, Acre tier of uh, some of the Levantine areas were valuable because of their trade, but Jerusalem was basically just symbolic, surrounded by, as they put it, crappy farmland. Um, yep. So Muslim Makes leaders sense. continuously, like, avoid actually conquering the kingdom of Jerusalem. Like, they focus more on Syria and Egypt and yeah. Mesopotamia. Yeah. Richard the Lionheart, again, didn't really seem to want Jerusalem. Like, he wanted territories in France and Europe. Like, um, in the Fifth Crusade, basically, they Muslims in Egypt were like, I'm going to just give you... Jerusalem. Like just leave us alone. Don't fight. And the Crusaders were like, no, and then lost in the battle. Because <laughs> again, did they even really want Jerusalem? As you do. Um. Yeah. yeah. So in the end, there maybe just wasn't that much motivation anymore. Yeah. And yeah. That's everything that I've learned about the Crusades rightly or wrongly. I did not have time, like I said, to include a lot of detail. And I'm gonna look some more things up now because <laughs> so I can make sure I got some things right. But uh yeah, anything else you wanted to add that you found interesting about the crusades?
2: Uh no. I think we covered most of it. Yeah. Very good.
0: All right. Well, excellent. I think uh next time on Teach Me Something, we're going to talk about a cool dude known as Paracelsus mm. to his friends. Yep. Yeah. He's got a longer name for other people that we'll we'll get into that uh on next time. So, I do want to say thank you to our special guest, Warren.
1: Thank you for, for returning me. to the podcast. Always a pleasure.
0: Uh, don't know what the next special spot's going to be, but we'll we'll figure it out together
2: in the future.
0: <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Teach Me Something. Uh, once again, I'm Melissa,
1: and I'm Everett,
0: and I hope you learned something new.